Did you know Echoplex has a 24-hour stream? That's right. Check out our 24-7 music stream at echoplexmedia.com live or at eplex.xyz. Our huge self-submitted local music library plays the best tunes the Bay Area has to offer, ad and commercial free, well, except for ours, and even by request. Check out the player on echoplexmedia.com or at eplex.xyz. Bookmark it and enjoy it all day. Echoplex is very supportive of our local music scene, and we hope you enjoy the soundtrack they've so graciously sent in for us to play on our network. If you like who you hear, please go check them out. The names of the artists are displayed on the player at echoplexmedia.com and at eplex.xyz.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We are usually live <clears throat> on uh, Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Media. Go ahead and follow us there. Uh, we are going to be changing up starting next month. That'll be in March. We'll be doing this 7.30 p.m. on Fridays right before Conspiracy Bingo. And uh, that'll be that'll be fun, I think. I think it'll be great. I'll be real tired at the end of the Fridays, but it'll be a good change. And good so tire. our, our, ne- our <clears throat> next week's uh, live show for this not next yeah next week's live show for this will be the uh last tuesday so that'll be that'll be something see you next tuesday for the last time so anyway um you can support this project at echoplexmedia.com slash support i especially recommend the swag shop i'm going to be adding some more items actually next monday uh on my next actual day off i guess and um so maybe you can check some of that stuff out and you can also uh you know, Patreon and stuff's all there. I'm producer Dave, and you can find me on Grinder. Uh, this is the Councilman. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Councilman, provided the Twitter is still there. Um, and you can also find me uh, creeping in on your domain from City Hall occasionally, but not so much anymore. Great, anyway, great. Uh, <clears throat> Have you found yourself using Twitter less than you used to? Yes, um, but not necessarily because of Elon and the whole elontocracy more just uh, i think in general uh, i've been using it less I, I use it for work so it's um you know it uh i i find myself using it professionally more than personally shall we say we uh <clears throat> we talked on our tech show that we recorded earlier today the show's called how the tech are you by the way everybody should check it out that they're changing the api do you use something like hootsuite to manage twitter i do in fact um so changing the asian pacific islander no api the application something or another um oh okay what the, what's gonna it's gonna break hootsuite i think oh crap well uh that's 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 great well i i pay too much for hootsuite anyway so maybe i'll just cancel that shit and just not stop doing the twitters anyway it's not really paying much dividend for me these days or i mean you can just have if you have like two work accounts you need to deal with you just have two browsers truth um well it's, it's more the scheduling that i i like um so until twitter itself comes up with a scheduling app oh, there's scheduling um, in twitter you in twitter itself twitter.com yeah they've, oh have they well, must have been changed yeah. since the last time i checked yeah it was it was like a year ago i didn't know it was there either until i clicked something when oh. i was tweeting and i was like oh shit that's a schedule button well we have to get into the docket but you have to show me that later because i yeah i did not realize that was <clears throat> oh possible. yeah for sure i can sh- i can show you after because there's no show after this because this isn't live which is stunning. oh there is though it's it's called bad baby is waking up <laughs> that's the, that's my post my post game <laughs> so um what do Yo. we have for leading off well you know don't ever accuse this show of not following up on stories uh so last week we brought you the story of the na- san francisco neighborhood that was concerned um about uh the shall we say you know folks uh escorts you know uh, meeting their sex workers there you go meeting their um clients uh on their little gentrified street in the mission district um and so it looks like uh the escorts are pushing back on on that a little bit and we're gonna hear from one of them Earlier this week, tonight, a self-described escort is sharing her perspective and asking for understanding. This comes after repeated complaints about prostitution on Cap Street in San Francisco's Mission District. KTVU's Amber Lee is here now after speaking with the woman. Amber. 
Julie, the city is planning to put up barriers on the streets where neighbors have complained about traffic and other problems brought on by prostitution. City leaders say they're stepping in out of concern for the neighbors and the workers. The self-described escort says she's there to make a living, not cause trouble. I just want to fight for our rights as women. This woman goes by the name Queen. She contacted KTVU wanting to talk openly about her work on Cap Street in San Francisco's Mission District. She describes herself as an escort, not a sex worker, in an area where residents complain of illegal activity, prostitution, traffic, honking, and other loud noise on a regular basis. I want to say I'm sorry. This is from all the women out there because we are sorry because we don't really want to cause no harm to nobody. We're just out there to make a living. The 22-year-old tells me she's a single mom who's supporting a four-year-old son and has bills to pay. She says it's a struggle to survive. It was my last resort. To work out on the streets? Yes. She tried, you tried to get jobs and you couldn't? Yes. Queen says she doesn't work for anyone but herself and that her sister, who is not in the profession, will often be out there with her to watch her back. She says she's been working the streets for five months. Queen tells me she's not selling sex, which is illegal. She's selling her time. I feel like you should have a right to stand anywhere. What if someone just want to pay me the sign? How often does that happen? A lot, actually. We look at the reasons for women and men to be on the street. Antonia Levine is director of San Francisco Collaborative Against Human Trafficking, which helps provide services to survivors. She says people who work the streets are often exploited, the victims of human trafficking, with few if any options to make a living, and some are minors. We look at this situation uh, as lack of support networks in the community and as societal problem. The city plans to put up barriers on Cap Street between 18th and 22nd Streets to keep out illegal activity. Queen says that measure will not work because those activities will take place on other streets. I was homeless at a young age, so it's like I just do what I can to make sure I get what I need to get or do what I gotta do. Supervisor Hillary Ronan, who represents this district, tells me the barriers will likely go up Friday. Her aide says it is a temporary measure and it'll be evaluated in two weeks. He says there is a push to get state lawmakers to legalize the profession to regulate the industry in hopes of making it safer for sex workers. Julie? All right, yeah, Cap Street has been a place for prostitution for many, many years in San Francisco. Amber, thank you. Well, if you or someone you know is a victim of human trafficking... So, <clears throat> I think legalizing sex work is a good long-term goal. I'm not sure these barriers are going to do anything. One, I mean, maybe it'll just move, like, a couple blocks over. But two, like, if they put up the barriers in such a way that all it does is, like, reroutes traffic so that you got to go around the block to get to this street, people are just going to go around the block and come to the street. Like, it's, it's... For sure. Well, like, yeah, like Queen said, they're just going to go to another street, too, right? Um I also find it interesting that they that this street has been has long been known as a haven for you know prostitution and sex work. Well, then why maybe you shouldn't have gentrified it and brought in all these 
<laughs> these noobs who don't know what's going on, man. They don't respect the neighborhood. Um, anyway, as, as, far the, as far as the barriers go, we do have a follow-up to the follow-up story. Um, the barriers have been uh, implemented and installed, and we're going to find out what the neighbors think of the barriers barricades on their own street. Oh, they probably fucking hate it. Watch. I'd hate uh, it. Yeah. Well, Actually, you know, I'm, I'm, on and- I'm on foot and a bike. I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd be like, you idiots having a car in the mission. It's a situation of be careful what you wish for, right? So let's hear it. New at 11, our team of reporters have been reporting on issues related to sex workers on... So you ride your bike right through that hole. On Friday, new roadblocks were set up in an effort to curb the amount of activity on those streets. But the question stands, is it working? As ABC7 News reporter Ansar Hassan found out, it depends on who you ask. All day Saturday, drivers had to find new ways around the new roadblocks on Cap Street. So you have seen a lot on this street? A lot. It's very active. But not last night. Last night was the first night these road barriers were in place. But why the barriers at all? It will certainly stop the car traffic from coming through that's been related to the sex workers on our street. So it might help. Which is more than we've had before. Elaine Whitney has lived on Cap Street for the past 25 years. Many residents are fed up that more isn't being done to tackle the issue. It's problematic, Um, not because of what it is, but because there's like this um, unregulated business on the street. You get a lot of trash, you get a lot of traffic, you get arguments, you know, sometimes fights. I know sometimes girls have been hurt. The roadblocks are the idea of San Francisco supervisor Hillary Ronan. One mother who didn't want to be identified for fear of retaliation says at least it's a start. But it's an emergency solution right now because things were so out of control that there was something that needs to be done to give the families that live on the street some relief. She says there could be up to 100 women on the street on any night. She adds, based on her experience, it's gotten worse over just the past six months. They are much less dressed than they used to be. Um, They are walking in the middle of the street, which wasn't the case before, uh, and they appear drugged. There are really young women being subjective to this. That's what people aren't hearing. People think it's just like, this is like normal sex work. Karina Kahani also lives on Cap Street. She says sex work is a complicated issue and wants the women to have more say. And she questions how effective the barriers will be at all. This feels a little bit like a Band-Aid on the problem. It's like here's a like a stick in the middle of the street. Also, cars have been like already moving this and driving through. Um, <laughs> so it seems like we're not really getting to the root of anything. Like they'll probably just move over a street. Supervisor Ronan was not available for comment. In San Francisco, on Hassan, ABC 7 News. She's all the, the actual residents here have just moved the barriers to drive through. Right, right. I mean, this this comes up constantly, um, not just from sex trafficking or, or, not, or I'm sorry, or, or I'm sorry, um, sex workers. Uh, also, just in general with people, you know, oh, people are speeding down our street. We need speed humps. So everyone gets together and they sign a petition and the city installs speed humps. And then they realize, oh, shit, I have to drive over the speed hump every day to drive down my street or to go to my house. Um, so maybe I'm inconveniencing myself uh, more than I am the clients, right, um, of these sex workers. So there you go. Um, good, good luck with your barricades in your little gentrified community. I'm sure it's uh, shit's gonna be really exciting. I think Karina or whatever her name was at the end there, I think had it had it 
bang on as far as <laughs> uh, where things are at and getting to the root causes, right? I think Queen Queen could definitely use some some help and not just barricades down the street. Right. And, you know, what you said about the speed hump, maybe the speed humps go in and then the residents realize, wait, I'm the one who was speeding down this street. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is you. Right. The, the, uh, the, the, the excess speed is coming from inside my SUV. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking around for someone to blame and there's no one to blame, usually it's you. Um, anyway, well, we will continue to, to follow up on that story as there is more to follow up upon. Um, sounds like Hillary Ronan is trying her best to put up barricades and then just hide under them. Um, there is a, there was another story this week about potentially uh, a, another supervisor who has suggested uh, creating a uh, sanctioned red light district. So um, we might be able to run that story next week. I didn't have room in the docket for it this week, but um, there's more to come. You know, that the sanctioned red light district, like I, I was talking last week about it, they better put it somewhere where there's like bars and nightclubs and, and stuff already because otherwise then because if you like go and maybe you bought a condo in san francisco and then they drop the red light district in your neighborhood like that sucks if that's like not where if you don't want to live in the red light district like i'm yeah. like i'm like not like i'm not like super worried about those people who don't want that but like at first it's gonna be like a big deal right if they do it and yeah. so there's gonna be a lot of foot traffic and car traffic to the sanctioned red light district and wherever yeah. they put it, it's going to add a lot of traffic. But if they put it like on Folsom, like where there's all those bars and nightlife and stuff already, then people are just used to the all the traffic and it, it would be less impactful to the neighborhood. I just don't know if the space is available for the for like brothels or whatever, because all that space is taken up by the nightclubs. Yeah, the tra the traffic is is also is certainly a concern that you you'd hear from the neighbors. But I I actually would think more of like you know the typical complaints you hear about any kind of development or new thing you know uh, property values. Um, you know my my uh, I'm not going to be able to charge as much rent for these apartments. Uh, I'm not going to be able to charge as much for these condos if you put a red light district in. Right, it's going to just ruin everything. So that's probably that I think that'd be what you hear just as much as you know the traffic and the other sort of more logistical complaints about. Um, which which should come with living in a city, right? On all right. counts, but and change um, is going to be a constant yeah. in a big city like San Francisco. That's one of the Correct. reasons you'd. I, I would think that's one of the reasons people move there because things are kind of moving quickly and everything. You know, it's at the forefront of of our culture in a lot of ways. But yeah. it turns out that some people think they want that, and then it, then they then they buy their million and a half dollar condo, and what they really want is peace and quiet. And it's like, well, I don't know where you thought you were moving. Right. It's it would I, I imagine this would get a similar reaction to you know if they proposed a homeless uh, or a, a you know a housing project for unhoused individuals uh, in someone's community, right, or some sort of homeless services uh, agency or or transition center, right? Um, and I I mean the ultimate answer is what ended up happening with cannabis. It got decriminalized, and now there's like just dispensaries kind of in all d different kind of dispersed throughout the city in different people's neighborhoods and nobody yeah. even people who don't smoke weed probably don't even notice that they're there that doesn't bother no like nobody cares now right like nobody yeah. gives a fuck about the cannabis dispensaries anywhere anymore except in shasta county but that's a whole other matter they're all, they, oh, in san they, jose don't, don't don't worry it's still it's still a thing in san jose um so we'll have more, but yeah, and then there's actually some news coming out of the state about cannabis cafes too. So we'll have more more news on that coming soon. A local assembly member is proposing something so. like places where you, I would assume, a cannabis cafe would be like a place with a either well ventilated or an outdoor area where you could smoke with people. Yeah, and have a sandwich. 
Oh, fan. Fuck that would. Oh my god, that that would be. I would love to go to a place and like be able to order a joint and yeah. like a like a like a maybe you, like a, not like not even like a regular soda, but like an Italian soda that they made for me and like a sandwich on a croissant that's overpriced. Right, or even just be able to bring your own cannabis and, and get a sandwich, right, and just enjoy your cannabis like you would a cigarette on the patio, or you know, or uh, any anything else like an appet. Uh, well, I feel like the, right? I feel like the businesses would want to make sure they're the ones selling you the cannabis. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, it's all about how the how they allow them to uh, integrate. Can they get vertical, vertically integrated like that? Like San Jose was at first averse to having you know uh, uh, dispensaries they could grow sell and just and uh you know deliver as well um so they, they tried to keep everything in its silo it just didn't really yeah, work that way i feel like that's a bigger vertical integration problem than and we're all we'll also make you a sandwich <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like i feel like that's a, a different kind of vertical integration problem coffee. yeah so um yeah we'll see but it, 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 the idea would be like more like amsterdam right where there are uh, cafes that sell their own but also you know, there's a culture of uh, the cafes allow you know you to consume, on, and you're allowed to consume in public on a, in certain like places. on the patios, basically on, on the patio. Yeah, if, yeah. if you're on the, if you're in the parklet, if you're in the <laughs> right, uh, you oh, can consume. God, I don't, I don't even want to hear the the arguments about the in like in like Knob Hill in San Francisco, the cannabis parklet. Oh, I the oh, don't smoke worry. is the smoke is wafting into my into my home. Oh, don't worry. We've got it up next on the next, very next story here. Um, fo- another follow-up as we start winners and losers. Uh, so last week we heard the the trial, trials and tribulations of uh, neighbors who wanted to put some benches up around some trees to like give people a place to sit and hang out and commiserate. And the city decided to, the public works department decided to slap them with a fee or a fine. So uh, I guess another neighborhood uh, is getting pushed back on their be- their benches. So we're going to hear more. God. All right, let's let's do it. <laughs> so last week we told you about residents of one San Francisco neighborhood. They're trying to keep the city from removing their benches. Yeah, as ABC7 News reporter Leanne Melendez discovered, today they're not the only ones. What happens in San Francisco doesn't always stay in San Francisco. The city is asking to have these benches on Indiana Street in the Dogpatch neighborhood removed. They were built during COVID. I thought... Why don't we build some seating around the trees so our staff could meet with our participants outdoors? That's when San Francisco's Department of Public Works notified RAMS, a nonprofit that helps people with a mental health diagnosis find a job. The trees weren't able to get water and car doors, if they parked along the street, were not able to open the car door. But you fixed that. Yeah, we fixed it. These were the changes that were quickly made. So we removed half of the seating this allows water to get to the tree and it allows car doors to open. And the trees are fine. They're, they're taken care of. The owner of the local coffee shop says the benches have been an asset to his business and the community. Instead of the graffiti that we're seeing around the city, this is actually beautifying the community and allowing both our clients who have suffered from mental health issues to have um, fresh air outside. People being able to sit down uh, in places like this makes the neighborhood, makes the block better, makes it, you know, much enjoyable. Neighbors in another part of the city are also working with the Department of Public Works to try to keep their benches. It's getting a lot of attention. Some people even posting on social media, hashtag save the benches. 
Those residents of the Bernal Heights Street say some of their benches have been in place for more than 17 years. Despite the changes made to the Indiana Street benches, now the nonprofit has been notified that the two by fours had to be spaced apart to allow for more water to reach the roots. I think we might have to remove the outdoor seating. In addition, the city is asking them to pay an encroachment application fee of $1,400, an amount they say too high and not worth fighting for. In San Francisco, Leanne Melendez, ABC 7 News. Dumb. An encroachment application fee from the Public Works Department at San Francisco. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So they want to remove some of the slats so the trees can get water. Do they, do they not understand how water works? Not really. Um, doesn't seem like it. I mean, they're public works people, so what do they know about water, right? Um, also, wasn't that the d- department that had all sorts of corruption and people skimming off the top for their nonprofit? Oh. I want, I want to say, yeah, wasn't that the uh, there was a dude who went to jail for it, too, or at least got convicted? Man, they're having a, they're, yeah. they're they're doing they're not doing so good on the public relations. They're pissing every they're pissing off the powers that be, and they're just pissing off people who want a bench. They lost a lot of money, right, to this to the the scam and the fraud. So they got to make that up somehow. So charging the fourteen hundred dollar encroachment fee, I guess, is the way to go on a nonprofit. Thank you. <laughs> like those benches were so cute. Yeah, for sure. I'm that dude. Just looked like he was. He'd ordered his coffee. He came out in the last shot. There came out chilled. He was checking his phone. Ready to enjoy his coffee, leaning against the tree. The tree is getting a little love, you know, a little human interaction. You ever hugged a tree, Dave? Um, I mean, yes. It's it's good. It's fun. It 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 makes you feel good. Yeah, I uh, this they don't this, hug back, but this is like these kind of stories. Like they just like give they they fuel the fire of like libertarian type people who are like, well, government's encroaching, and in this case, yeah, the bench the tree's not going to suffer for water. The, the, no. there's the water just goes between the pieces of wood and then there's like that big giant area next to the tree where water can fall and I bet those people yeah. now I bet they water the tree too yeah it's just like a shake government shakedown of some sort you're right you're exactly right this is what gives people fodder for their libertarian tendencies in the first place so um speaking of what cracking down on people just doing their thing looks like <laughs> SJPD's cracking down on quote-unquote illegal gambling operations the IX5 News begins with a big-time gambling bust. Businesses with a secret back room, a sophisticated operation hidden in plain sight. Good evening, I'm Elizabeth Cook. I'm Alan Martin. Inside heavily secured businesses and behind fake walls, San Jose police take down an illegal gambling ring with locations spread across the city. KPIX5's Kit Doe has been covering these stories for years for us, but Kit, this time, something different. Yeah, you know, this has become an annual event here in San Jose. Sometime in the spring or summer, pretty much uh, for the past couple of years, San Jose police announced a huge gambling bust, and this year is no different, except that it looks like the crooks are evolving, trying to stay one step ahead of police. From the outside, they look like typical strip mall businesses, a PC repair shop, a hair and nail salon. But look closely, and it doesn't add up. The salon is heavily fortified, and inside, there isn't a workstation to be found. Just a small mm. meeting room. 
with a door that leads to a more secure back room. And it's in back rooms just like this where San Jose police, with help from the feds, seized 64 illegal gambling machines and about $3,000 in cash yes. and arrested about a half dozen people. This is the state of illegal gambling in San Jose, more sophisticated and harder to catch than ever before. Gangs and organized crime groups are... are they like this type of business because it's extremely lucrative. After getting tips from the public, a judge issued search warrants for seven locations, including this PC repair shop on Cropley Avenue in East San Jose. Investigators say there was a false wall with fake computer merchandise that hit a full-blown gambling operation. The crooks also installed kill switches on the computers. What's more, they found several people who were gambling in a way they had never seen before. There was uh, an app that individuals were using on their phone so they had come into the business, put credits on the books, and then were gambling on their phones. It wasn't always this secretive. As recently as 2015, the gaming machines were out in the open at Vietnamese coffee shops all over the city. SJPD has been raiding illegal operations ever since then, netting dozens of machines and hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. Police say the gambling is a cancer on the community. The gamblers themselves often go broke and then steal or commit other crimes to fuel their habit, and gangs extort businesses and attack each other over turf wars. So when we take these these uh, enforcement actions, we're, there's a ripple effect to that, and it's a positive ripple effect, and it's good for the community, uh, and it's bad for the gangs, and that's what we want. And so SJPD described this as kind of like whack-a-mole. You take one out, another one or two pop up to take its place. They get the feeling like these crooks are taking advantage of San Jose's uh, low staffing levels, but with San Jose in a rebuilding phase now, they're hiring a lot more officers. They plan on staffing up their vice unit, so you can expect a lot more operations like this one in the coming months. And we're live in East San Jose, Kitto, KPIX5. I think, again, we, I mean, people going to gamble. I don't know. This needs to be done legally. I know there are some places run by uh, the tribes where people can gamble. Sure. I know there's Bay 101 is a big one. But yeah, the Matrix. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a. But those are those are just. I mean, those are card rooms. So they, um, the the tribes, I think, can have. I, I forget if they can have like slot machines and and sort of games of what they call games of chance, right? That they actually get around it. Um, Matrix and Bay One Hundred One because they're technically because it's card games. There's some skill involved, I mm -hmm. guess. So it's not an entirely chance, right? Like roulette or um or uh, or the slot machines, right? Um. So, but yeah, there are sanctioned where places for people to gamble um, that generate revenue for for the tribes or for you know local municipalities. Um, but you know, if you don't want to pay the heavy taxes and you just want to have a nice little operation and have a few friends over to gamble on their phones in whole new ways, then just, uh, you know start start a front in a barber shop and some rundown you know sh shopping center and you know make make a little money, especially with, if the police ain't watching. But it looks like they're watching now, so yeah, gotta be a little more careful. Yeah, I guess like, <clears throat> I, like they were saying, it's like whack-a-mole. You're never going to stop it. So like, ideally, ideally you would just legalize it. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, I, it, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a legalize it across the board kind of a person, right? Like let people, let the vices, let people have their vices, right? As long as they're not messing with other people, right? Like don't, don't infringe on my life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, whatever, but do your thing, man. If you want to. Yeah, I don't know. Slot city. machines, slot machines, and roulette and stuff—they're they're fun, not because you like you're—they're they're fun because you don't know what's going to happen there. That's why, like, mm -hmm. I don't, I, you know, I don't really like gambling. Like last time I went to Vegas, I was like, I will spend fifty dollars in the casino, and that's it. 
Right. Some people, I mean, some people have legit, you know, um, concerns, right? They have, they have compulsions, they have addictions, right? And I, I certainly have my addictions. I'm sure you do as well. Um, and you know, it's, 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 it's not society's problem necessarily to, to be concerned about the where's and why, uh, you know, why you're gambling. Um, but like you said, if you're going to do it, if you're compelled, if you're compulsive, you're going to do it, let people do it, but maybe make it just, you know, safer for them, right? Have some kill switches on it of a different variety than the ones they have in these places. You just have like a, um, and like have like a nice limits. place for them to go, like a nice place to go gamble. Like, sure. Like and where maybe, there's maybe set some, sorry, go ahead. Uh, like where there's, you know, maybe other things going on at the place. You can go see a show. Yeah. Maybe, you know, do kind of do like what Vegas did. Let's let the hotel, like, let the hotels get in on it. Let the Because they got yeah. the space to do it and their lobbies and stuff. Like kind of, kind of like, because Vegas, ha- Vegas has that dialed in. I don't gamble at all. And Vegas is great. Yeah, well, I, uh, I mean, d- again. I, I don't gamble at all. I mean, I take 50 <laughs> bucks and once that's gone, I just will not gamble anymore. Right. Well, speaking of putting things in your neighborhood, right? That's 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 the number one thing you'd hear the pushback from, especially in San Jose, right? Like, oh yeah, gambling's great, but oh, you want to have a casino in my neighborhood? Oh, no, or in my city? No, that's cool. You can have it over there. Well, that's why. That's why I said like, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like the Motel Six. I mean like the nice big hotels downtown. They have room for it, and they have the, they have the money to staff up and follow whatever regulation is necessary for it. And you, you know, limit it to five or 10% of the total, like, like public square feet of the hotel. And you let people play some fucking slots while they're at the hotel. It makes money for the hotel. It gets, you know, it's going to get rid of these illegal locations to a large extent. The hotel restaurant's going to make money. Maybe because the gambling goes in the hotel, a couple of the ballrooms, they'll have some entertainment in there. It'll be good for everybody. But the problem is I just said the, the E word that San, that San Jose seems to be very, very unhappy with have, having happened at all in downtown. I said, I mean, entertainment. Yes. Well, that would mean we're like a city and that would mean that we'd have to have, you know, we'd have certain people coming to our city to be entertained and we don't want that. Like not for nothing, that matrix <clears throat> I've only played in that, in their, their, their club there once, but they have a, they have a beautiful music venue inside of that place. It's, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. I don't know what they're doing with it. I haven't heard any, you know, I, I, uh, maybe the, the promoter changed or, you know, me being me, I didn't follow up or whatever, but like I got treated right. They, I, I showed up early and they were like, oh, you're here early. And I was like, yeah, well, I wanted to check the space out. And they were like, what you need to do right now is check the restaurant out. And they gave me a voucher and I went in the restaurant and got, got a meal. I mean, they fed me. They, they gave me like five drink tickets. They paid me. So this, would be, this like if they're making money off this, the, 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 the casino and maybe the entertainment is drawing people to the casino, this might be a way for like some of the bands to start actually getting paid when they play. Like, cause I, for show. I mean, I didn't, oh, you sure. know, I, I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. That was, that was a great experience. It's not my kind of, it's, you know, not my kind of place and the people definitely not the kind of music that they're generally going to want in that kind of place. But people danced and had fun. And like the DJ before me kind of warmed the crowd up with like the kind of music they wanted to hear. By the time I was playing, everybody was kind of drunk, so people were ready to get low and stuff. <clears throat> I just feel like there are like, there are like really good solutions to these problems in and sp- spaces that we already have, and I think the big hotels are the obvious place to put this. Sure, yeah, it's all, it's all part of the ecosystem. Um, it's just like how, it's, frankly, it's just like housing, right? Um, Middle income housing, low income housing. It's housing, right? It's taking it takes some of the uh, the pressure off, and then more opportunities creates more opportunities for the entire ecosystem of, uh, of music and entertainment in San Jose and elsewhere. So yeah, more, more venues, more spaces, more opportunities. 
Yeah, I'm just like like I said, you, you get you get people. You know, these are these are kind of nice hotels and stuff, but that's mm-hmm. when people maybe expect quiet. But if if you're in a room on the third or fourth floor on these hotels, none of what's going on below you, you're not going to hear nothing. You're gonna, if you're on a cruise ship, you know exactly. You know, it's it's pretty. You know, you, you they, there are ways to uh, mask sound, right? Right. And there's a concert going on like two, you know, le- less than thirty yards away from you, and you're churning water at you know tens of miles an hour um, with a big old boat, and yet you don't really hear much of anything. You can sleep through it. So yeah, and then like hey. I just I just feel like everybody wins here. It's and. You know, I'm not like, I'm like, oh, well, we better make sure the hotel barons make the money, but then the hotel makes more money. Maybe they, they hire up new staff. There's new jobs that get created. People who are, you know, managing the, um, the gambling thing. And again, with, you know, you're bringing in people with gambling, they're for gambling. They're going to want other stuff to do while they're there. So the bar is going to do a little bit better. Uh, you, you could have shows like those ballrooms mm-hmm. are empty. Most of most Fridays and Saturday nights, they have that unused space. Well, if there's a, you know there's a little casino there maybe that ballroom's not empty anymore because people could go gambling and go see a show maybe get dinner and you make like a night of it or whatever like there's just like there's people go to vegas for a reason and i feel like you don't have to have the entirety of vegas to take a look at what they're doing as far as entertainment and mimic some of it in your city for the benefit of but for the benefit of a small business large business employees artists promoters everybody i i would tend to agree um i do think that it's a slippery slope and that's what exactly that's exactly what people would say um because once the dollars start flowing it it doesn't go away right the the card rooms started and they've only they're only allowed to expand there's never a ballot measure or a, a policy change to shrink the card rooms right um so yes it it uh i i agree with you but i do think that um you get enough pushback from the community that it's just not going to happen otherwise it would have happened by now in nevada and New Jersey wouldn't be the only states that have fully legalized uh, gambling, but we'll see. I, I mean, who, who? I didn't think I didn't think you'd have. I'd see a billboard when I was 18 years old. I didn't think I'd see a billboard running around San Jose that says "Don't drive high." Right? <laughs> the fact that they acknowledge that people might be driving high is a, a major step in the right direction. Yeah, and I think there are ways to do this where you know you, you know, maybe you don't have just these little rooms that are just for gambling. You have to have, already have X number of square feet. You have to be using. Uh, the hotel is the best example where they could just dedicate yeah. five to 10% of the, not like the total square feet because then you're doing the rooms and whatnot, but like the, well of the lobby the and se- the ballrooms and stuff. Like I just feel like there's such a, that, that's, that's the easiest solution. And then, well, the San Jose, the San Jose city council is covering uh, downtown vibrancy and the and mayor tech bros plan for that uh, tomorrow. Um, so we can hopefully have some, some coverage of, of ideas they might have for improving downtown vibrancy. Bro, like what if it, what if it was like a, what if it was like a wine bar? Bro, you could jump on public comment tomorrow. It's it's at eleven a.m. So, bro, what if it, you, bro, what if it was like a wine bar, but like a startup mm-hmm. ran it? What if Imagine what if, that what or if they had to get, bro? What if what if it was a venture capital funded wine bar, bro, 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 bro? Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Uh, so, you want to okay. be a teacher in Richmond? Sounds like um, these are these are great folks doing great things, and it seems like as always our i don't like the word public servants i like um our public employees well you know shit rolls downhill and unfortunately i don't know why but we put teachers at the bottom of the hill it hasn't been easy at all you know i come and i try to spruce myself up and keep a smile on my face but 
on the inside it's the struggle. Teaching school children is all 37-year-old Natalie Shakesnyder has ever wanted to do. But the sixth grade teacher never imagined she'd be working full-time and still unable to make ends meet. I've been between my car, uh, Motel 6, and an Airbnb whenever I can afford it. Shake Snyder drove from her home state of Mississippi to take a teaching job in Richmond two years ago. I had no idea that I would come here um, leaving Mississippi, leaving a home, and come here to being homeless. I have to run my car a lot just to have the warmth. She's been unable to find affordable housing, so she rents an Airbnb or motel room. And every month when the money runs out... Sleep there, keep my car running as long as I can when I do have gas to do that. She sleeps in her car. Thankful for like the grocery stores, gas stations where I go to kind of wash up and take care of hygiene to come to work. I keep my bleaching things and so when I go to the gas stations, restrooms, I clean up the bathrooms. Most nights I'm scared, it's unsafe, uh, but I get up in the mornings and I still come to work. Our starting salary here for a teacher is about um, 50, in sort of the mid to late 50s. Um, that is not sufficient to be able to independently live. To the county. The president of the teachers union says Shake Snyder is not the only teacher living on the edge. He says West Contra Costa School District teachers are among the lowest paid in the Bay Area. And he says they're currently at an impasse with the district as they negotiate for higher wages. About two weeks ago, we held a rally where about 700 people spoke, and people were in tears, letting them know how desperate they are. They cannot afford to live in the community they work in. They're devoting so much of their time and energy just to fight for their own survival. The district acknowledges teachers are struggling. In a statement, they said WCCUSD is working rapidly to readjust budget priorities in recognition that many of our educators are currently experiencing economic hardship which has been worsened by rising inflation and the economic climate of the greater Bay Area. They say they're offering a 10% raise. I don't regret coming here because I love that I'm chasing my dream, but it makes me sad to know that I'm doing this while most times sleeping in my car. It's really, it's really sad. Shake Snyder says she wasn't prepared for the high cost of living in California. And she says she's met many others who are working, some multiple jobs, who are homeless too. It's not a personal thing. I believe like it's a Bay Area, California thing where there are people who are working jobs, getting up every day, going to work, and yet still doesn't have a safe, comfortable place to live. She says California's teachers deserve way more than what they get paid. Though she loves her Richmond students, she tells us she may move back to Mississippi at the end of the school year. But she's determined to continue pursuing her passion. I wake up every day not knowing how it's going to end. All I do know is that I'm going to teach, and that's what gives me joy. That's what I live by. The teachers union has set up a GoFundMe to help Shake Snyder as they fight for higher wages for all the district's teachers. In Richmond, Jody Hernandez, NBC Bay Area News. It was fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good on them for the offering a 10% raise, but a 10% raise on $50,000 is $5,000. So, and that's obviously not chump change, right? That's money in your pocket that's used for rent and utilities and anything else, food, right? But it, you're still making 55K a year in an area where, you know, they say, uh, rent, you know, rent should be maybe a third of your, you know, take home, right? But 
the rent would suck up that entire amount of money if and she would have anything to you know feed herself she wouldn't even have that ramen that's in the back seat of her car right um I was a little worried there. I thought she was like using the bleach to like soak the ramen. Yeah, I don't. I, was, I wasn't worried about that. That's a different show. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I feel for her. I've I'm come from a family of educators. It's it's a sham, like you said. They, we put them on the bottom rung, um, and it should frankly be reversed in some way. Um, and uh, it seems like you know, in this situation, they get support from the community, but it's not always right. And uh, you know, you heard just as much about oh, the greedy teachers' unions and the um, you know, and teachers not uh, looking out for, you know, they're not stepping up for students. They're, they're just out for their own self-interest. They're, that's why they're striking. They're not striking to help my kids. It's like, actually, no, you know, <laughs> no. And if you made, if you made the peanuts they made for the work that they have to do and the thanks that they get, you'd be pissed off too. And you'd be marching out there with them um, instead of, you know, telling them that they're overpaid and greedy. Give me a break. I don't know one teacher, even like maybe at the college level, right? The tenured Harvard professor, but most teachers, you know, and educators are getting the short end of the stick. So, um, and more, more fundamental changes are needed. Anyway, I just, I just recall when I was a kid, there was a, a teacher who was a single woman. Uh, she, I, don't, I don't know if she had kids or not, but she owned a house in Fremont. She like owned yeah. a house. Dude, dude, my mom is a retired teacher. She owns a house in Willow Glen, like the heart of Willow Glen, like not realtors, Willow Glen, like the heart of like a block from downtown Willow Glen, you know, uh, prime real estate. She could sell it for oodles more than she, she bought it uh, many years ago, but that she could afford it on an educator's salary back in the day. My dad was an accountant. So it's not like he was, you know, <laughs> Rockefeller. So but they were just a regular it, professional couple. Yeah. Mid, quote unquote, middle class, right? That doesn't necessarily exist anymore, but that they were the epitome of middle class. Um, at the time and now like they'd be in poverty now standards based on you know, what they were making i just remember fine like i just remember when i was a kid and we were kind of going over what people made teachers were making 35 40 and it seems like that was a, a lot more money when i was fuck when i was fucking 10 years old or 12 years old than the 55 yeah. is now oh yeah absolutely yeah the inflation and everything else cost of living has just skyrocketed and wages have really not risen all that much um percentage wise well hmm. well let's move on to one more winners and losers this is you know what if you're gonna um if you're gonna accidentally drive your car into somebody's house you better hope that it's a tesla because then you can just blame it on the car here's a man says a tesla drove itself into a san ramon home <laughs> fuck yeah you get him pal He's blaming his car. Specifically, he's blaming his Tesla. A man in Contra Costa County says his Tesla drove itself into his home, but the car was not on autopilot. So what really happened here? NBC Bay Area's Pete Serratos joins us now in San Ramon. And Pete, what's his side of the story? Yeah. Yeah, well, Raj, you know, that driver is still shaken up uh, because this was just a routine task. He was moving his car into his garage, but now he's left wondering uh, if he made a bad investment. Then uh, I stopped here to open the garage. Laxmana Marpu of San Ramon says he was simply moving his Tesla Model Y from the front entrance of his house into his garage when the car seemed to take over. And then uh, while going, like it's lost the control, it's not stopping at all, it's directly bump into the wall. The car went careening into his home. This was the scene this morning when Laxmana's Tesla was removed from the wall it plowed into. 
He says he wasn't on autopilot and believes the car accelerated on its own. On the other side of that wall is plenty of damage. The car hit hard enough to knock his refrigerator from his kitchen into his living room. Thankfully, he wasn't hurt, and neither was his family, who were upstairs when the crash happened. They're like my family members, everyone, we finish the dinner, they're in upstairs. That's a good thing, right? No one is in downstairs. Like sometimes when kids, then again, they can get hurt. With the driver saying the car accelerated on its own, neighbors like Sanjeev are shaken up too. He says over half the neighborhood owns Teslas, including... <laughs> now I used to drive my Tesla very comfortably, but looking at the accident, <coughs> when, you know, self-drive becomes the self-disaster, it's re really scary. Laxmana says the city of San Ramon has notified him he can't use the garage until his insurance company provides an update on those repairs. He believes it could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix. Definitely, Tesla need to look into that issue. Okay, uh, I want to make sure other persons would not affect them. So Laxmana did file a police report, but since no one was injured, uh, they are not going to contact Tesla. Now, we also reached out to Tesla on our own, uh, but we have yet to hear back. We're live here in San Ramon. Pete Serratos, NBC Barrier News. Thank you, Pete. So Elon Musk didn't get back to him? Yeah, imagine that. So I'm not... He's busy. I, you, you don't know. Um, I remember over the years there have been like a lot of different stories. I don't know if you've kind of note, known this too, that where there are stories of unintended acceleration by different models of vehicles over the course of years. And a lot of times it's hard to reproduce because, you know, it just fucking happens intermittently. It's like if your car's doing something weird, you take it to the mechanic. Well, it's not going to do when you take it to the mechanic, right? Like that's the, that's the, the rule. And so mm -hmm. this idea of unintended acceleration is nothing new. The thing is that these cars are more and more becoming computers where, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know what happened with this guy. I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't seem like, uh, certainly not a reckless driving situation or anything like that. He was just moving his car from the street to the garage. That's what he says. Right. Uh, but I mean, this is like, you would be doing, you know, you're not doing this quickly. There's no, there's no. There's no reason for you to be going quickly, like when you're pulling you into think, your garage. But do you think this is even a story if it's not a Tesla, as we've talked about before? If it was like a Ford or a Ford Focus that did this, right? Is it even a story? That's we were talking about. That's a good question. the 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 answer is probably no, but the answer is probably no because the CEO of Ford isn't running around telling everybody that his car is an autonomous vehicle or what. You know what I'm saying? Like it's true, but but the opening's there, and the, this you know who knows? I mean, yeah, it, it could be totally innocent he was just moving his car could be that he'd had a couple too many drinks you or know, it, it and could, before it could he even, his car it could might not even have anything to do with alcohol right it could be right. just could reckless be some some freak accident people make mistakes yeah. all the time and it's yeah, not human you know, error, malice but, or 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 alcohol or whatever but but i might try to get something out of tesla if i oh, had the yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah, and i wanted too. to yeah me too me especially too. if it was going to be like whatever thousands of dollars to repair my house um well um Enough winners and losers. Let's let's talk about getting our shit together and potential winners, which could be all black people in San Francisco. Well, get your shit together. Let's do some reparations in San Francisco. Let's hear about it. This Black History Month, we are examining renewed calls for reparations. In San Francisco, supporters are calling for $5 million to be paid to each eligible black resident in the city. KTU's captain has more on how a committee is making its case to the city to help right the wrongs of slavery. 
Last month, San Francisco's African American Reparations Advisory Committee presented its first draft, looking at the idea of how a legacy of racism has harmed San Francisco's black community and what can and should be done to address those wrongs. Committee Chair Eric McDonald says despite the city's reputation for being progressive, past policies have systematically disenfranchised black residents. Fundamentally, what was stolen from black people in America was a path towards financial well-being. The committee points to past policies on housing, redevelopment plans that decimated thriving businesses in majority black communities, as well as inequities in policing and in education, all of which the committee says worked together to erode opportunities for African Americans. Being segregated to certain parts of the city, they were met here and not given eligibility for certain kinds of jobs. Right? They were met here without being able to start their own businesses. So all of these impediments to doing what every other Mer American, or in this case San Franciscan, wanted to be able to do. Since the initial report, many have focused on one of the committee's recommendations that qualifying African Americans should receive one-time payments of $5 million. But less has been made of the reasons behind the committee's work and where the city goes from here. Okay, for better or for worse, whether it's the $5 million um, financial payment or any of the others, committee tell us how to do it. And my and our response is that was not our charge. Our charge was to present the evidence and justification for these pr proposals. Noble Pierce says in the seven decades he's called San Francisco home, he's seen the inequity of opportunities firsthand. Of course, reparations would definitely be a good idea. You know, I mean, all the promises that, that our people had over the years, you know, the, the old chicken in every pot and the with 20 acres and a mule and all of those lies. And Kenny Underwood says for generations, black Americans were limited in how they could act on an economic level. Reparations, he says, are an idea whose time has come. Am I saying that it's going to be a solution to fix all the social ills that racism created? No. But do I think that it can help provide some economic equality as, as a city and as a country? Yes, most definitely. The Reparations Committee says their initial proposal is the start of an important conversation. McDonald says similar discussions have happened in the past. This committee is including language in their proposal aimed at getting the Board of Supervisors to take action one way or another. But even if something isn't, obviously this is an extreme, we don't want or expect this, but even if there's something as we've read it and it's all not feasible, we can't do it. But in other words, you, well, you don't want them to sit on their hands. Exactly. And not take action. The committee is set to present their findings to the Board of Supervisors in mid-March and present their final presentation in June. In San Francisco, Christian Kafton, KTVU, Fox 2 News. That's never, it's never going to happen. I, yeah, I, I mean, the five mil more than likely is not going to be happening. Um, I could see some sort of package of something happening, but it's certainly not going to be that. And um, it might be somewhere between that and 40 acres and a mule. I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would tend to. I mean, <laughs> it's good. It's good that the white dudes are talking about. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not against the idea of reparations. I think it, it's, you know, there are, you know, it was all the way into the eighties that like there was just on the record redlining and mm -hmm. now there's oh, still, there's yeah. still redlining. It's just, you know, like a wink and a nudge, you know? Yeah. It's a little more subtle. Right. Um, but it's done with zoning codes and it's, it's still, it's still done with zoning codes. It's still done with, uh, <clears throat> you know, permitting, uh, all sorts of manner of things, right. The allowing, you know, uh, liquor stores to proliferate in heavily African-American neighborhoods. Whereas, you know, you could, it's hard to open a liquor store in a white neighborhood. Right. 
um, all those, you know, death by a thousand cuts, right? That's really what it is. Like a million, millions and millions and millions of cuts over, over time. Um, both subtle and not so subtle. Uh, and yeah, the, the reparations are absolutely deserved. Um, I would love for us to be able to figure this out. I don't know that there's ever going to be a solution that's, that satisfies everyone, but um, I would certainly love to see a solution. But I, like you, I don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon or that we're going to be able to sort it out anytime soon. And not for nothing, but, we talk a lot about entertainment. And, um, you know, when you look at basically, you'll just look at music, every kind of music you like came out of black and brown uh, culture in the United States. You know, sure. You know, sure. and and so like when you, you know, when you think about that too, and you see these cities, particularly San Jose, kind of stepping on entertainment, you're stepping on a lot of poor people, a lot of black and brown people, people who are going to want to do art and entertainment. It's, you know, and that's, you know, it's an, it's just another way in which like this, this stuff keeps moving forward in very subtle ways. I mean, I, well, I go to, you know, sorry, I, I, you know, the, like right now you go to a music festival. It's a very white, very, very white and gentrified thing. But all that music, techno, house music, trance music, drum and bass, and then the disco and the ja the disco that was that it was based on. And then the funk music that was based on and the jazz music that was based on that all came out of black culture. And yeah. so it's like it's like, you know, when you start to push out these kind of small entertainment venues or don't give them a space to to fucking thrive you're pushing out black and brown culture from your from your society that's that's what you're doing that's it all comes in america it all came, it's all come out of black and brown culture and you're making that decision to not have a jazz bar making that decision not to have a, a rock and roll bar you're you are making a decision about race even if you don't think about it that way yeah and there, well there's also something to be said that really the only way to accrue wealth or to be socially acceptable as a black person in America for many years was to be in entertainment, right? And still to this day to be in entertainment, right? Like it's, it's acceptable to be a rich black person. If you're an actor or you're a basketball player or you're, you know, uh, a musician, right? Basically you're, you're famous enough that the cops aren't going to shoot you. They don't care that you're in a Mercedes. Sure. And who knows, <laughs> I, who knows how, how famous you have to be to not be shot, honestly. Um, but, uh, we shall see. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep tracking this. Um, if, if any city was going to try this, I'd say San Francisco would probably be the first. It would be San Francisco. The other, the, other, the other place that I think would be uh, inclined to try this would be Portland, just because there's no black people there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't mean none, but oh, I mean Portland is a, for, a, for, an, for an, a, an urban, like a blue dot in the middle of a, a red place. Portland, is, well, Portland, Portland almost as white as Scientology. It's still Oregon. Let's let's face it. Um, they do have a basketball team there, though, so there are at least five black player black, black people there. Man, I'm glad we're not live right now. <laughs> My Twitch chat would be like, "Boo, boo, councilman." I'd be getting. I'm already getting canceled from the other room. I can hear the good wife canceling me. Before, uh, so we should probably move on to the next story. <laughs> so this story is out. Of, we're gonna. This story is out of Oakland. We're moving on to down ballot watch, and uh, there's a lawsuit, I guess, accusing Oakland city officials of a cover up and filing for a new mayoral election. My fucking God. Yeah. It's a nice quick clip though. So we can talk. Oh, my we can talk fucking about it on the other God. Side. All right. Whatever. 
Suit filed today calls for a new election in the Oakland mayor's race. The Alameda County Taxpayers Association and Oakland attorney Marlene Sachs say the city violated its charter by limiting ranked voting to just five candidates. There Wait, were what? 10 on the ballot. They also claim that now Mayor Shang Tao missed the official filing deadline of 5 p.m. on August 12th and that the city failed to investigate their complaints. Tao won the election by fewer than 700 votes. The plaintiffs said, quote, if voters had been given the number of options that the law requires and if the city clerk's office hadn't mysteriously altered the timestamps, these things legitimately could have changed the outcome of the election. We have reached out to the mayor's office for a comment. Oh, my God. It was Maricopa yeah. County ass bullshit. Yeah, as far as I know, and as far as every, all reports, the election was conducted with the utmost security and by the books and by the rules um so and it was double triple checked so it's, all, it's another case of yeah exactly not, not just sour grapes but like really trying to manipulate and overturn and uh, our democracy and i don't know i can't necessarily claim racism because uh frankly a lot of the folks behind this are supportive of uh lauren taylor who is a uh, black man who was the uh, who came in second um, despite, I think, getting the most first place votes, I guess Cheng Tao won through the ranked choice system, which is exactly how it's supposed to work. Um, she is uh, Hmong, I, th I believe it's pronounced. So she's the first Hmong uh, mayor of a major American city. I don't know if that's causing some level of outrage uh, in the community or if it's just sour grapes. But uh, yeah, it seems, seems like a lot big waste of time. You've got a mayor. Move on. You know, like work with the, work with the new mayor. Like maybe, maybe you can get some cool things done with them. This is the kind of stuff like that we have been covering in Shasta County and Orange County. Mm -hmm. And um, to the extent that we've been looking into at Maricopa County, because of that Carrie Lake lady, yeah. I don't know if you know about her, like her and oh, yeah, we, we went over that. Yeah. hundred percent. So we did, we did a whole show about Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so I feel like, I feel like this is just kind of riding that wave and bringing that kind of like toxicity and unnecessary I think it's unnecessary bullshit here into the Bay yeah. Area where agree. You know, we think we think of ourselves as kind of like almost like immune to this kind of stuff. And it's but this I think yeah. this is this thing is going nowhere. That's been too long since the election. Um yeah. it's been too long since the election. I think most of the people in most of the populace is has probably accepted the results and moved on. And not for nothing, if she won in a ranked choice system where she didn't get the most first place votes. That means she has much. She has broad support, even among people who, sh who for whom she was not the first choice. There are many people who the first choice was her the the person the her opponent. Um, I forget or her closest opponent, and then she was the second choice. So that means those people like both of them. Mm. And well, that's one of the main argu primary arguments behind ranked choice voting is that it gets you more of a consensus pick rather than necessarily someone who got like a plurality of people who love them and then like in a in a five person race right like someone could get 25% and win um but that could be the only 25% that liked them at all right and the 75% hate them whereas someone could you know get 25% but also be you know 50 50% of people's second place person or second choice person so 75% of the people like them right so uh there's a lot to be said for that for the getting to a consensus and getting to the uh, avoiding a situation where you get uh, maybe two people in a runoff who were selected by a very small electorate in a primary race, right? And also by a very partisan and a very motivated electorate um, and got them into the runoff. And then 
they're the only two people that the rest of us have to choose from at the end of the day when more people turn out in like a November election, right? So uh, good arg- good arguments to be made for it. It looks like everything was clean, so we'll hope that uh, this, this goes away. But um, just never ceases to amaze how much this stuff comes right here to the Bay Area. It doesn't have to be Maricopa. It doesn't have to be Shasta. It's happening right here in the Bay Area all the time. So <clears throat> I the only thing they said in there that made sense is that there were 10 candidates and that they, you, you should have been able to pick up to 10. And so uh, the, the I would maybe a change would be you may rank these people however you like. You know what I'm saying? You right. may as long as you don't pick two people for number one or two people for number two. Yeah. As long as each person gets a you can you can choose one, you can choose two, you can choose ten, any number in between. Just put it in, and then we'll we'll deal with this accordingly. Um, yeah. But I don't know. There's ten. Choose five. That sounds reasonable to me. Choose it your does favorite go both five. ways too. Yeah, you only have to, you can only and you can just rank one person. You can just put one, and that's it. You don't have to rank all rank five, right? Um, I think, frankly, like it, it would be. I don't know if many people would actually rank out ten people, right? I don't. I don't know that they'd even have enough knowledge about the race to, to rank but them if, all. I mean, if, according but if, to, if they want to, fucking but, let them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would. I would agree there. But it has to do. Um, there is something that has to do with the vote counting software and the, the the tech that is involved in the with the ballots because we're dealing with paper ballots and other, other uh, hangups. You know what? So, you're right. I, Computers I are really bad at counting to ten. No, it's you know, but yes, I don't, I don't understand, I don't begin to understand voting technology because um, it is somewhat stuck in the dark ages. But I do know that that was one of the issues in terms of why they are not, they cannot allow for more than five to be ranked. Um, but five but again, is fine I, because I, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that the vast majority of people didn't even pick five. Well, I would also, yeah, I'd, I'd say that, um, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that, uh, uh. You know, it, it, it's it, it's hard enough to get someone to, you know, be convinced to vote for one person, getting them to like rank three or four or five. It's just it's a it's a big challenge. That's one of the arguments I've heard against ranked choice voting from organizers and campaign people. Oh, it's going to be impossible to get people to change to this system and, and figure this out. It's like, no, people can figure it out, and, but they're just it's just going to be too tedious to rank like, you know, 10 people. And on and on the um, education part of that, too, you can stress to people be like, if you don't if you're not interested in this ranked choice system. Yeah. Just pick who you want to vote for and move on. Yeah. Who do you like? Yeah, one. Just put a one next. Instead of marking their name, you put a one next to their name, and that's it. And you're done. Right. I mean, you, um, you stress that. You, some you, time. you pick up to five. If you only like two of them, then you pick one and two. You know, it's... And, you know, and, and if you only like one, that's your loss. If, 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 you know, if you don't have a second choice, right? If you don't get your first choice, you know, then it's your loss if you only voted for that first choice. Then your vote really doesn't count after that. If that person gets eliminated, your vote, doesn't, your vote stops counting. Basically, that's the only down. That's the downside of not ranking. The only system I like better, but I don't think it'll ever get implemented. I don't know if you know about approval voting, where instead of yeah. ranking yeah. everybody, you you just you can choose. You know, in this case, you could maybe I don't know. If you choose all ten, well, then that's weird. But you you it know, happens it, in approval voting. You'd go, you know, if there's ten, choose up to three or whatever. Yeah, it happens in um it happens in appointment processes a lot, quite a bit. Um, when city councils are appointing someone to fill a vacancy uh, among them, right? Um. You've got like six or you know five five or six council members, or in San Jose's case, I think it was eight at the time, nine. Um, so they express a preference, right? And they can vote for multiple people. And then uh, at the end of the day, whoever has the most, you know, most uh, check marks, the most approval votes, basically. Correct. Right. 
and, and if I people mean, tie, then they they take those two, and they you know you have a little runoff. But but yeah, that's that's it's happened. It actually happened recently in Mountain View. We might hopefully we'll have some video because the council member is getting appointed tomorrow night. But um, new council member in Mountain View was appointed by that process, and it worked out pretty well. And no one really had many complaints. And not for nothing, real quick, but this is just one of my personal bugaboos. When things go wrong with ranked choice voting, where's Andrew Yang and 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 everybody to come in and <laughs> and and you know like try to get on TV when people are uh, upset with the result? You know what I'm saying? Like where where where's the forward party to come in and like try to yeah. like help help you know educate the voters about the ranked choice voting system when things? And I don't think anything went wrong in this, but there is a perception among some people in Oakland that things went wrong. So where's Andrew Yang at? Where's Andrew Yang and all the people who really like TED Talks that are like the only people that support the forward party? Like, where are they at? Oh, wait, that's, oh, wait, those people don't go to Oakland. They, oh, wait, why wouldn't they go to Oakland? Councilman, why do you, why do you suppose maybe an almost all white political party doesn't really, uh, you know, spend a lot of time in Oakland? (laughs) I don't know that they have a lot of fertile territory there, but but yeah, I, I, but I, I I would uh, tend to agree with you that I don't, I think that it's a very small percentage of people that are really concerned about this. They've had ranked choice voting in Oakland for many years. They, we went through this whole thing previously in a mayoral campaign in Oakland, I believe, right? When, uh, when Libby Schaff won or when, uh, sorry, the person before her, um, uh, was, was elected. So, and they were Asian American too, right? So it, coincidence, I don't know. Um, but we shall see anyway. All right, well, we're going to move on to the next story. Unfortunately, it looks like this is a story out of San Francisco, and it looks like our uh, DA, who we weren't big fans of, we were um, very much, <clears throat> very much biased against the recall of Chesa Boudin. It looks like uh, charges against uh, an officer are going to be dropped, even though elections matter. Yeah, ele- elections matter, everybody. So let's let's check out this story from uh, KTVU Fox Two News here. The family of a San Francisco man killed by a police officer is demanding justice. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins says she plans to dismiss charges against the officer responsible, charges that her predecessor, Chase Boudin, brought against the officer. Tonight, the man's aunt tells KTVU's Amber Lee the officer needs to be held accountable. Amber. Greg, the aunt says she is the voice for her nephew and all the black and brown men unjustly killed by law enforcement. She says she will not give up her fight for justice. If it was a white man that got out of that van, I believe he would still be alive. This is the scene of a deadly police shooting in San Francisco's Bayview District on December 1st, 2017. The unarmed carjacking suspect shot and killed by a rookie police officer is Kiete O'Neill, who is black. Body cam footage shows Officer Chris Sameyoa fired his weapon through the glass window. Whoa! Well, that's a drive-by shooting. April Green says she wants justice. Not all police officers are bad, but there are those that are bad seeds. And they need to be held accountable for when they put on that blue uniform with the intent of abusing it. In 2020, then-District Attorney Chesa Boudin made the historic move of charging the fired officer with manslaughter. But voters recalled Boudin last fall. Now, current DA Brooke Jenkins plans to dismiss the case against the officer responsible. It's disappointing. I should have expected it. I keep hoping that she would do right. 
Jenkins issued a written statement that says in part, quote, the irregularities and facts that have come to light surrounding the case against Officer Sameyoa suggest that the charges were not filed in good faith, appear to have been politically motivated, and have made it impossible for us to proceed forward with this prosecution. Former DA Boudin said in part, quote, Jenkins' dismissal is offensive and her excuses are dishonest. We charge this case based on the facts, the same facts that led to the police department to fire the officer, led the judge to sign the arrest warrant, and led the city to settle a multi-million dollar lawsuit with Kiete O'Neill's family. This case is not just about my nephew. My nephew is gone. He's not coming back. This is about our future black and brown men and the interaction they have with the police. Green and DA Jenkins have requested that State Attorney General Rob Bonta take over this case. I want to believe in the system of justice. I want to believe that it's a fair system. Unless the state attorney general takes over the case, Jenkins is expected to dismiss the charges against the officer in a hearing scheduled for March 1st. Greg? All right, our Amber Lee, live in the newsroom for us tonight. Amber, thank you. Yo, the fucking, yeah. the, the, the cop's body cam showed him firing before his vehicle even stopped before he was able to give any orders to, like, get out of the vehicle. Like, I, I, that, that fucking, we call that a drive-by shooting when the police don't do that. When it's not the he police fired doing through the that. window of his own. Yeah, he fired through the window of his own black and white. They were saying like, you know, they were just rolling by like he 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 was being, you know, he was basically leaning back in the seat. He's protected and shooting through his own window, through that guy's window to hit him. Like, yeah, that's that's absolutely a drive by shooting in my perspective. So thank, thankfully we have the body cam footage to prove it, too. But apparently D.A. Jenkins doesn't see it that way. She thinks it's too politicized. Well, <laughs> she also called it bad faith. Which means, because we, we, everything's the same kind of bullshit, right? On Wednesdays, we talk about uh, the people in the so-called intellectual dark web, the, the public intellectual class. And when they get um, insulted or criticized, they're like, well, this is a bad faith, you know, criticism yeah. of me. And right. so it's really interesting that that, that wording was used because that, that leads me to believe that she has decided that the former DA that Chesa Boudin didn't even believe that a crime had been committed. That's what that means that you're, you're acting in bad. You're, mm -hmm. you don't believe in what you're doing. And I am, yeah. I, I am, I mean, we only saw a few seconds of that body footage or that body cam footage, but in, unless that person was firing out their car at the police, in which case the police back off and fucking regroup and shit. Right. Mm -hmm. in, unless that, that, unless there was a firefight happening, let this just a fucking drive by shooting. And that's illegal. I, I I feel like that this would have been an open and shut case. I would have it would have been very hard, I think, to defend this officer, like to like not have a conviction. But you know, other than other than making that bad faith argument, right? Like that, and and she's basically saying, you know, uh, you know, the former DA had it in for cops, um, and that was his whole bag. So therefore, this is a, a sham, and uh, he put he put this on just to go after SFPD. Not because this act, this officer actually did something illegal and wrong and tried to kill somebody and and did kill somebody, um, just attempted uh, that he should not have had the power to do. But uh, yeah, to to say that uh, former DA Boudin politicized it, 
you know, and then to turn around and dismiss the charges. And you're politicizing it yourself, right? You're, you're making it abundantly clear that this is a political decision. This was something that the former DA wanted to do. You and your friends got him recalled, got yourself installed. And London Bree got you installed and you're getting what you want. Now you get the, the cops off so that, you know, when London Breed runs for her next office, the police union will endorse her and give her lots of money and she can call herself the public safety, you know, uh, mayor, right? She cracked down on the tenderloin. She cracked down on all the drugs. She cracked down on the, uh, this and she helped, you know, help police, uh, keep the city safe, right? Instead of going after them and attacking them. Um, so yeah, she's, she's definitely setting herself up for something later on. Yeah, the bull is bullshit. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think we'll be endorsing her anytime soon right. here at down ballot <laughs> I, and funny enough i think we we i believe that we i don't know if we endorsed her when she first ran but we certainly said that she seemed good from what we but that's how this always works they fuck these people they talk this progressive game we saw matt yeah. mahan do it when he was sure. running for uh the city council spot he was the progressive candidate going seemed like it he wasn't he wasn't the guy that killed somebody <laughs> right <laughs> he didn't run anyone over right he wasn't yeah and he and now i and now i kind of wish she had run the other someone else over <laughs> right right <laughs> oh anyway we're going to move on to more policing apparently uh the S san jose city council gets an f in policing from an advocacy group i don't know anything about this story and i'm i'm really skeptical about where i'm going to come down on this when i when I, after i hear the what's going on here i think you'll probably hate everyone oh well that's good that's well this should this could have been in winners and losers then but it, it, true it, but it, it is it is tied to local politics so figure down ballot was appropriate new attend criticism aimed at the san jose city council for its record on police reform an outside report says the council has failed to implement recommendations made in 2021 City officials do not agree. KTVU South Bay reporter LaMonica Peters live tonight in San Jose with more on the report as well as reaction LaMonica from the mayor. This is the second year that Sacred Heart Community Service has issued a report on San Jose's policing. They gave the council a failing grade, but city council says there has been some progress made, but there's still more work to be done. Back in 2020 when George Floyd was murdered, uh, we were taken aback but needed to take a look at our own backyard. Sacred Heart Community Service released its yearly findings on San Jose City Council's response to the hundreds of recommendations it gave to the police department. The results? The council received an F in policing. The solutions that we want to see, like like more safe parking sites uh, for for people who are living on the streets, more dignity for folks on the streets. Um, so instead of being harassed, being able to give them uh, an alternative mental health responses and reinvesting into some of the mental health responses we already have. Sacred Heart also disagrees with adding more police officers as a part of the solution. Last year, the city's independent police auditor launched a web portal for people to report misconduct. It found that 31% of officers received complaints in 2021, up 25% from the year before. District 4 Council Member David Cohen says it'll take time to implement hundreds of recommendations. As I said, two things can be true. We need to continue down the path of, of reform and and best practices, but at the same, we also need to continue to invest in a properly staffed police department. Newly elected Mayor Matt Mahan was also on the city council last year and says he disagrees with Sacred Heart's assessment of the progress being made. The city received over 500 
recommendations for police reform. To date, we have implemented over half of those. We have another 111 that are in progress. And there are another 113 recommendations that we don't have the capacity to implement at the moment, but we agree with. The mayor also says that city council members will go back to the community and ask for help prioritizing the remaining recommendations. Sacred Heart says that a lot of these things should have been fixed years ago, and they want to make sure that these issues don't fall on the back burner. Mike? LaMonica Peters, live tonight in San Jose. LaMonica, thank you. Stay- so actually, I thought that this was going to be some crap from some advocacy, like pro-police advocacy, advocacy group saying that they hadn't hired enough cops. That was like what I was worried that we were about to watch and that I was going to get kind of angry at and be like, well, there's really yeah. nobody to root for here. It's like evil, right. Be- evil Beto versus the Ed 209 Foundation or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, gonna, I was waiting for, for evil Beto to say like, we have the solution. It's Ed 209. Ed, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> all, but, all 500 solutions in one robot. You know, when he mentioned the solutions, it's like which which solutions have been implemented? Like, right? Well, they what they do in I mean, city policy making, right? Generally speaking, they take the, they take what's called the low hanging fruit, right? The council says, "Oh, we want to do these things." Well, here's oh, here's one we can do. We've already done it. Cha-ching, check. You know, <laughs> we're already doing that, right? And that cause that happens quite a bit. You know, recommendations are made by bodies that don't necessarily have all the facts and aren't given all the facts, and so. You end up with things that are already done or already maybe being thought about right or already contemplated. So they're very easy to green light, as they say, and just get done. And then you have the ones in the middle that are going to take a little time and they, you know, they don't want to necessarily do the work. So they'll say, well, well, those are in progress. Right. Um, And then the the line about, you know, we don't have the capacity to do that's just frankly, I mean, maybe it's true depending on what it is. But for the most part, it's more than likely we don't want to do these things. And we're just going to say we're going to blame the budget because in San Jose, you can do that. That's the beauty of San Jose's. Um, uh, if you really want to cut down on, you know, cut public employees, if you want to cut down on government services, you have a perfectly good excuse because they, they really don't have the money, right? They have a, they have budget shortfalls every year. So, uh, you can blame the budget for anything you don't want to do in San Jose. And I'm sure that they're doing that and the PD is doing that in some way with some of these recommendations that they're going to slow walk, right? Cause they don't want to do them. And I mean, that's a result of a bigger structural problem. The money's there in this, in this city, not that the city has the money, but not that the city government has the money, but the money, they're not, is. they're not, they're not, uh, accessing it and yeah. And leveraging the right resources, right? The right, right revenue resources. They're not getting it from the places they need to be getting it and generating as much as they can. Um, that's, that's they're right. picking and cho- They're picking and choosing and they, then basically residents end up paying, you know, the, the brunt of everything. Um, and business and commerce and, you know, uh, uh, does not industry does not. Well, we're going to move on to Anne and other things this week. We got a things. We got one human interest story and one animal interest story to make up for last week when we had basically uh, neither. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's why I was just mentioning that to the good wife earlier. I figured you would appreciate it. So we got this first one. It's, it's a, it's a cute story. And I think I'm just going to let the news tell the story. Cause this was also, I saw this all over Twitter. So nice. In the North Bay, the pandemic hit small businesses especially hard, and many restaurants are still feeling the lasting impact. Tonight, though, the story of a daughter who took to social media in hopes that people would come back to her family's restaurant in Santa Rosa. ABC7 News reporter J.R. Stone shows you they came back, and in big numbers. This may look like just another busy restaurant, 
But last month, things looked a lot different here at Lee's Noodle House in Santa Rosa. It was completely empty. 21-year-old Jennifer Lee posted this seven-second video on TikTok showing her dad leaning against the counter. She wrote, It makes me so sad to see my parents just wait for customers to walk through the door to eat at their Vietnamese restaurant. She added music so the clip sounds like this. It's been like really slow and I think a lot of people left because of the pandemic and the fires. So I think I felt really like sorry for them. And it was that short video that got quite a response. Three weeks later, and the place is packed. His daughter was on TikTok pleading to the public to help his help her dad because he was running out of business because of the COVID thing. I saw that broke my heart. My dad, he always talked about like how he's stressed and he's like tired of just waiting around where we have to like close early. So I kind of just made the video to like help them out a little bit. As of late Wednesday, the video has racked up more than 987,000 views. Digital marketers that I spoke with said this just shows that TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube videos aren't just used for entertainment purposes anymore. They're being used to get information. All of us came out of the uh, pandemic discovering that the restaurants we used to go to may not be open anymore. Uh, uh, a huge percentage of them um, just disappeared in the last couple of years. And so finding um, a restaurant near me is one of the top search terms. And as for Jennifer's dad, who went from waiting to packing bags, he says he's grateful for the support. A lot of people from the community come out and support us, and I'm really thankful. In Santa Rosa, J.R. Stone, ABC7 News. Hell yeah. Nice, man. I'm going to order some pho next time I'm up in Santa Rosa. One of my favorite dishes. I'm sure they rock it out. <clears throat> good good yeah. on her. Good on, good on him. Good on, good on the, uh, the family for making it work. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's great. I, you know, kind of sucks that, that, you know, obviously before the pandemic, they were doing a decent business. Otherwise the, the restaurant yeah. wouldn't have been there. Like the right, restaurant right. business is hard pandemic or no pandemic. It's harder during right. a pandemic. Correct. Yeah, and uh, and whose heart wouldn't break for that guy? Like that's you got to know how that feels. I mean, just just picture your dream. Picture your the thing that you want to do more than anything in the world, and just you know not being able to do it. You're sitting there with a kitchen full of food and not being able to serve people. Right? How awful is that gotta feel? <laughs> like your purpose in life, and it's been just taken away from you. So good on her. Good on them. I'm glad to see uh, Green Bay Packers fans are frequenting the restaurant. That's good. That's good to see. They're they're drawing in tourists. So. Or, or I mean, football fandom isn't necessarily or just fans. localized. Or, yeah, yeah, or just football fans who are a little misguided. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we got one more. We got apparently, yeah. apparently, a bird stashed a bunch of nuts in uh, somebody's wall. This is this is amazing. You, only in Bayou County, a shocking discovery behind the walls and up the chimney of one home. There, look. You can say this bird was a little bit of a pack rat. Holy, bro. This is crazy.
that's just the beginning. Exterminators were called in to get rid of bugs in a vacation rental home in the community of Glen Ellen. Pest control soon found the real problem. 700 pounds of acorns stuffed behind an interior wall. Exterminators <laughs> filled eight large garbage bags. They say woodpeckers stored the nuts in the chimney for the winter. Oh, man. So that was an Airbnb. That was an Airbnb that somebody wasn't properly maintaining. That's like the, the that's the problem with that story. Yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit more to it than than that. But yeah, uh, that's one of the weirder things uh, we've seen. I think found, found in a wall. There have been corpses. There have been huge snakes. But you know, 700 pounds of nuts. Never, never thought I'd see the day. Who gets to keep the acorns? Though, are they good? Can you roast those things? Like, what do you? How do you? you know, how do we eat acorns these days? I don't know. They probably threw them away, right? I guess. I mean, you could just bag them and salt them and, you know, be like, we have the, the chimney acorns, right? Like, sell them at a Maker Fair. They probably fetch a good dollar. They've been on TV. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, well that's, that's your animal nut interest story for this week on Down Ballot. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you and for tuning in. I guess that's Down Ballot. You want to read the show out? Absolutely. Well, um, thank you, Producer Dave, as always, uh, for joining me for another lovely episode of Down Ballot. Uh, we do this show live on Tuesday nights at 7.30 for one more week, and not this week. So I hope you enjoy the recorded version of the show this week. Please keep listening. Please keep downloading. Look for us starting March 3rd on Friday nights at 7 p.m. 7.30 p.m. Pacific uh, prior to bingo. So uh, it's going to be a little change, but we think for the better. Um, so looking forward to seeing you there. As always, please get vaxxed. Please wear your masks. Pants are optional. And we hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. <laughs> Driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing Queen to get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene Yeah, we do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want. What we wanna do, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car to smoke another one and another one. Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and Enjoy the band, enjoy that band Last up on the field for the show tonight Is the 
and dirty and five So we're headed outside to spark up another joint Now who's got my lighter? Stona E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy The truth is, is that I don't think logically Stona E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside, motherfuckers, is rocking me And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rollie, all that sexy girl be jockin' Me ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band and enjoy the band We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band been shadow banned by the liberal media free market got you down do you get ratioed on every twitter post because of your shit takes on literally everything then producer dave and hk are probably watching your three-hour dissertation on how a tomato cannot possibly be a fruit because gender and critical race theory can be cured with ivermectin the intellectual dollar tree every wednesday at 7 p.m pacific please leave it a one-star review on itunes check out the rest of our schedule at echoplexmedia.com